Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 31st. Develop a sense of community with others. No one in this world stands alone, though in many ways the opposite seems true. Since we come into this life alone and must leave it again at death quite alone, yet we come into a welcoming family and should so live our lives that others weep when we leave this world. Everything we do in our solitary seeming comings and goings depends to a great extent on others. Expand your sense of community to include an ever larger number of people until you see everyone on earth is belonging to your own family in God. There's so much that's so beautiful about that and it's so beautiful that it's the last entry at the end of the year. It's sort of like it takes the whole of everything that we've been working on this whole year and brings it, I mean, the last words for the whole year, until everyone on earth is belonging to your own family and God. Now just think for a few moments what that would be like. What if you had the same love for everybody you met that you have for the people that are closest to us? You know, we, we tend to think that, you know, these are special people to me and, and these are the ones that I love and I love them because, and we often love them because they happen to be ours. You know, it's my mother or my child like this. Swamiji has often remarked, thinking of the point of view of the enduring reality of the soul and the uh, reality of incarnation. He said a mother will be extremely attached to her child and devastated when that child dies. But if the child is reborn across the street, the mother may never think twice about her. So where, where, what is the love that we're feeling? Is the love really given soul to soul? Or is the pronoun mine really what makes us love? And what the reason, and this is a very important thing to understand, the reason this spontaneous, deep, selfless, you know, uh, absolute um, willingness to serve, energy is given to us most um, beautifully manifested in the relationship between parents and children. I mean, that is the, you know, the the ideal. And I know my, I've never had children of my own. I would say, I will add, not in this lifetime, but I, I've never been pregnant and I've never raised children. Um, a friend of mine who was a longtime devotee at Ananda and a very, very dedicated truth seeker um, after he married and had two sons of his own, he, just, he said to me very, just very sweetly, he said, I was a pretty selfless person. He said, I was self-sacrificing. I wasn't greedy. I didn't really think of myself first. I was giving. He said, but I never knew what true selfless love is until my sons were born. And he said, and then it's just, I, 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 I in my interests, he said, simply cease to exist because the only thing I wanted was their happiness and well-being. And I will say very sweetly, his sons are grown now, and one of his sons said to me, and, you know, and 
he raised four children, two stepchildren and two sons, uh, two biological sons, but he raised them all as his own. He said, in all, all my years, he said, I never saw my father impatient or lose his temper. I thought, wow. <laughs> and that was quite household. He said, he just, because, because that was what he learned. He learned, there's no self here. I'm just here to serve them. So why would I become angry? Why would I become impatient? How will that serve? Another extremely touching example of that was a man who came to me. He, he had a, a firstborn child, and that child was maybe four or five. His wife became pregnant again. They, they wanted a larger family. Um, but he came to me, and he, he was, it was so sweet. He, he, he came with his wife. He said he was so worried because he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't imagine loving anyone as much as he loved his firstborn child. And he was really afraid that when the next baby came, he just wouldn't be able to love that child in the way he loved the first one. <laughs> Surprising me sometimes what moves me. And I said, I, all I could say to him, I just, I, I intuitively knew. I said, you'll see, it'll be all right. And of course, they went forward. And then he came back to me after the baby was born. He said, you were right. There is no limit. We think, we think this love is a finite reality to be doled out, you know, to the ones we particularly like, or the ones that belong to us, or the ones that attract us, or, or the ones that love us. So we're going to, you know, keep the keep the deal going by loving them. But the reason the capacity to love greatly is given to us, and often, not always, it's spontaneously given between parent and child is so we will realize how wonderful it is to love. Because that's what the experience is. The experience isn't when, when both my, the men I'm speaking about as fathers were talking to me, everything about them you know, just elevated and radiated when they talked about the experience of loving their children. And yes, of course, their children benefited, but what they really had was the experience of loving. And it, it was so thrilling. And that's why we have these human experiences, so that we'll discover, of the, we'll discover the greatness of which we are capable. Otherwise, we just aim too low. We just imagine that this is who I am and this is happiness. And we don't have any concept of what true happiness is. Swamiji says, awakening into super-consciousness is, 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 he says, it doesn't even begin to compare to waking up in the morning from a deep, drugged sleep. He said, you know, the deepest, dreamless sleep that you can imagine compared to ordinary waking consciousness, he said, doesn't even begin to compare to the difference between waking from ordinary human consciousness into super-consciousness. We just have no idea. Yogananda writes in his wonderful poem, Samadhi, uh, Cosmic Consciousness. He describes the state of cosmic consciousness as He's such a master wordsmith. Enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy. Samadhi bliss. Enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy. But then we have the experience. And every time the veil, the, the, the tight walls of limitation and egoic identification and separation from spirit and lack of imagination of who we really are, every so often when that cracks, 
whether it's when you're handed your newborn child, whether you're standing out in nature and you hear the roar of the river and the river turns into Om, when you're looking up at a full moon and something about Divine Mother's love comes through that moon, and all of a sudden you go, oh, just like you catch your breath for a moment, or you exhale and lose your breath for a moment. Oh, that's who I really am. That's what I'm really capable of. That's what I can really do. And so once we even have the, the, the most theoretical um, inkling that this is possible, then it can become a sadhana. Sadhana means spiritual practice. It bec- can become a deliberate spiritual practice to love, just for the sheer sake of doing it. And I don't mean loving in a personal Oh, you know, I'm going to be all over you and I'm going to make you uncomfortable. People get involved in this, especially I'll go back to my my spiritual youth in the late 60s and the 70s when there was a lot of um, chemically induced spiritual experience, psychedelic chemicals that were around, which, you know, all of us at least passed through those realities. And even after we had long passed through them, um, they were still around us. For a while, when all of this was first starting, when you'd go across the Canadian border and they didn't want you to bring marijuana into Canada, you could pass through even if you looked like a hippie by saying, oh, I don't, I don't smoke marijuana, I meditate. <laughs> and supposedly that actually worked. I, I never myself tried it, so I really don't know. Because I, I, after a very, very brief foray, all those drugs left my life forever. But those drugs sometimes made people... Weird is the only word I can use. You know, just weird. Just sort of staring into people's eyes and, and you know, putting forth this... Well, the only word I can use is drug-induced, which is not false, but it's not an integrated understanding because it's, it's, it's thrust upon you and the perception is there. If, and, and what also happened to a lot of people... I mean, Swami Kriyananda never endorsed drugs ever... The, the, we, there were very few rules at the beginning of Ananda, but one was no recreational drugs. Recreational, that's such a funny word, but that means non-prescription. <laughs> um, no recreational drugs on or off the property. It just wasn't an option. But he had to admit that it kind of turned a whole generation around because, oh my gosh, look, there's a whole nother reality. But then came the desire to make that reality my own not merely to get drunk every once in a while, but to really make that reality my own. It's, in a sense, it's the same as what I'm talking about, about love. Oh, if that's possible, then that's who I really want to be. I don't want to be chemically dependent for that experience. I want that experience to be who I am. So then we have to back up and we have to understand you know, what is really blocking me. And, and you can't, just like people drink wine or drink alcohol um, in order to relax because they don't know how to get rid of the tension. They don't know how to get rid of their inhibitions except by chemically, chemo, chemical interference. But all those inhibitions and all that tension is still there. So it becomes a, a terrible cycle where you liberate yourself from them as long as this drug is in you. And then when the drug is gone, you're exactly the same and it... it does not serve. And so if you have to just take a psychedelic in order to open your heart, and as soon as a psychedelic wears off, your heart closes up again, it gets even crazier. 
So you have to just really decide that that's the experience I want, but I want it, I want it to grow naturally like a, a flower coming into its own from the origin point of myself. And that becomes sadhana. That becomes beginning to understand that everyone in this world is a child of God and everyone in this world I can love. Community, community is a circumstance. I've had the extraordinary blessing in my life of literally living in community, living in residential community of kindred spirits. This, Yogananda said, would be the social pattern of the future because it's ideal. And I could expound on that for a very, very long time, but since it's not an option for most people, we have to begin at least where we are, creating a sense of community, which is why should the boundaries of my love stop at the edge of my biological family? That's the beginning. That's not the end. Because look what joy it gives me to love and serve my family. So let me love and serve my friends. And after I've learned to love and serve my friends, let me love and serve whoever crosses my path that I can help in any way that I can help them. I used to work in retail stores in my teens. I never really did anything of consequence. Well, I won't even say now, except perhaps writing a biography of Swami Kriyananda. I think that was of consequence. But um, I never did anything of, uh, anything of anything before I came to Ananda. And what I did to earn money sometimes was work in retail stores. You know, I worked in sometimes in high-end department stores. And um, if anybody came into the store to shop and actually noticed that I was a living human being who might have a reality of my own, and they didn't have to inquire about my life, we didn't have to have heart-to-heart discussions, it was just in the way they regarded me. Instead of my just being a piece of the furniture that was going to facilitate what they wanted, I was actually another being, and we could commune. And it was so impressive to me, that could make my whole day. I mean, it's not that anybody was unkind to me. I was always in lovely stores with lovely things, and lovely people came in for the most part. But every so often they actually related to me as a person. And it just changed everything. I've never forgotten it. So every time I go anywhere, no matter where I am, I realize that the person on the other side of the counter, the person on the other side of the cash register, the person standing next to me who's helping me find the size that I want, they are as real to themselves as I am to me. And the same longings and lonelinesses and fulfillments and joys and aspirations that motivate me exist in them. So everyone then is my brother and sister. What's the difference between us? Swamiji said in another place, you know, each person is specializing on my behalf, being themselves, meaning that we're all together creating this extraordinary picture of God's creation, and each of us has a little part. We're like all different color crayons in a great big box. And I get to be yellow, and somebody else gets to be fuchsia, and that one is green. But together we make one of those glorious sets of crayons, you know, that as a child they were so exciting to get. But we're all the same. And there's, why not just reach across those barriers? I remember what it meant to me to have a stranger see me as a sister. And I think I can give that to others. I can find either some actual external meeting point or um, some inner meeting point where even just, hello, 
how can, you know, what can I do for you today? Or could you help me? Can suddenly be establishing community. And of course, the one who gains the most is the one through whom that energy flows. Because by the time it reaches the other person, it's already diluted. But when it emanates from you, you have the full force of it. Because it doesn't start from us. It starts from the divine. And it flows through us. And that's, that's the reason we were born. And let us not waste even a minute of our incarnation. Swami says, Develop a sense of community with others. No one in this world stands alone. Though in many ways the opposite seems true, since we come into this life alone and must leave it again at death quite alone. Yet we come into a welcoming family and should so live our lives that others weep when we leave this world. Everything we do in our solitary seeming comings and goings depends to a great extent on others. Expand your sense of community to include an ever larger number of people until you see everyone on earth as belonging to your own family in God. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.